Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Our sports correspondent tonight is Brian Waddle. G'day, Brian. How are you? Look, I'm feeling uh, fine, fit, and healthy. It's getting late, though. It's it's getting late. It's true. Now, um, it yeah. would have been a couple of late nights for you, though, because as a cricket man, you you your heart would have been pounding of the drama of what the, the past sort of three or four days. Have you been following these two test matches? Not only those. I mean, we can probably talk about um, late nights for about the last two or three months because mm. many of the games have been played into the early hours of the morning, go back to New Zealand's uh, last series overseas and then back to series in this country and test matches. It's that time of the year you expect it. And, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. The, the test matches, you know, we, we sort of starved of test matches to some mm. extent. There's so much white ball cricket. You can't remember uh, one game to the next, but you get two test matches that really hit you between the eyes and do it in the most dramatic of fashions, uh, it's memorable. And I think that that's what people like about Test cricket. It offers you something different rather than the sameness that goes with white ball games. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been busy and tiring, but I'll get a decent sleep tonight, I hope. Yeah, boy. All right. Um, I actually have a quote that I'll read you later on on the theme that you're just talking about. But let's talk about those specific Test matches. The first big one... Um, Australia and the West Indies. The West Indies win. What a test match. What a finish. What drama. Oh, unbelievable. And I don't think that uh, anybody expected it to turn out the way it did. I, I sat much of today trying to work out which was the most dramatic test match victory, whether it was England's recovery to beat India. Well, that's always likely to happen. But not in India, as uh, mm. happens very seldom. But the West Indies to come back from a real hammering in the last game and to go into the fourth day of this game, needing to defend, I think it was 156 runs with two of the best batsmen going, mm. certainly one of the best in uh, Steve Smith and the best in the world, many would say at the moment, and Cameron Green, a young, uh, young player who's on the way up, and for Shamar Joseph, <sighs> little none. Shamar Joseph, a month ago, he was still getting over being a security guard in a construction company in the Caribbean. And here he is, man of the series. And what an impact he's made, not only with his cricket, but I think with his personality. Mm. He's shown that, uh, you know, you can have a sense of humour, you can have a personality, you don't have to be big-headed, just enjoy yourselves. And that's what he's done. Seven wickets to go with the five he took in the first game that he played. He looked back to that game. Steve Smith was his first wicket, the first ball he bowled mm. in Test cricket. And everything he's done is, to me, what Test cricket is all about and what it brings to you. And it was it was a dramatic finish. And to see the celebration, good on them. They deserve to celebrate. And uh, I sensed that Brian Lara, yeah. one of the world's greats of the game, was in tears to see a win in Australian Territory for something like 27 years. 1997 was the last That's time they won right. in Australia. 
that's quite incredible. Well, it's been because such they a, um, have been. Sorry, I, I was just going to say it's been it's been such a precipitous decline for the West Indies cricket team since the yeah. well since the the sort of the mid Lara era, really, isn't it? Yeah, in in the days when the likes of Kirtley Ambrose and uh, Courtney Walsh departed the scene, you know they've been the whipping boys of uh, of world cricket. Everybody's gone there to the Caribbean, wanting to pay back the West Indies for what they had to face when Holding, mm. Garner, Marshall, Roberts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, were pummeling any side that went there. And, uh, you know, to, to see what they've been able to do. It's interesting. I mean, I've got to tell you that this, this guy, Shamar Joseph, comes from an area of the Caribbean where you don't see a lot of cricket. Mm. Uh, I had the good fortune to go to the area where he comes from, Berbice. You cannot get there by road because there's a, a river. And to get across the river, you have to wait in a long queue of traffic and they've got little ferries. You know what they're like. They've probably got um, mm. you know bamboo sticks holding them together, and the cars get taken across, and then you come back, and you, you could wait for a day. It takes a couple of days to get to where he comes from, right. and yet he's come forward as an international cricketer, and and he looks as though he's been playing it for years. Mm. So you know those are the sorts of things that you, you take from this game, and there's so many lovely stories uh, about this Test match and this Test series. You know it feels. As the West Indies said, like you've won the series, even though they drew it. It was it, amazing. It, it, there's something about watching. I think he took seven for sixty-eight in the end, Shamar Joseph. And there is something yeah. wonderful about watching a fastball like that in full throttle. And I was actually, I was, I was trying to, I was reading up um, on great fast bowling performances in, in the past that you might compare that to. And you've actually mentioned um, uh, one of them today, Curtly Ambrose, when he took seven for one, I think, in a spell at, at, at Perth back in '93. But then there was one at the Gabba by our very own Richard Headley. He took he took nine for fifty-two at the Gabba back in the day. You remember that? Uh, I do indeed. Yes, it was uh, it was remarkable. He took fifteen in the game. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was a remarkable performance, not only for what Headley did with the ball, but of course uh, the runs that were scored by what John F. Reed, mm-hmm. Martin Crow, and the fact that New Zealand. Really uh, put Australia to the to the sword. Yeah, I, I spent today sort of thinking back about the West Indies fast bowlers mm. that that I've seen over the period of time, right back to the eighties, and none of them really sort of match up to Shamar Joseph. He's not big. He's not Joel Garner, yeah. seven foot tall, or Michael Holding. He reminds me very much. He's Some a modern similarities bowler. To Malcolm Marshall, right? Yeah. Sorry, he's a, I was going to say he's yeah. sort of he's a modern bowler in a lot of ways, isn't he? He's he's, he's more he, he, as you say, he doesn't rely on his physical gifts so much. The ball's not coming down from nine feet in the air. It's not going at one hundred and fifty k's an hour. And he's you, you know, it's it's a different kind of. It's more c- cerebral bowling. I don't know. Maybe I'm romanticizing too. Yeah. Well, well, no, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, he is slightly different than what you expect from. The Caribbean, I mean, the other Joseph, Azari Joseph, uh, is a tall, uh, well-built, strong man who really likes to dig the ball into the deck. What I, th- what I see in um, Shamar Joseph is a man who wants to run in, bowl fast, enjoy what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he, he does have some similarities, uh, only minor ones, to Malcolm Marshall, who always used to run in fast, didn't have that big, imposing presence, but he did bowl fast and he did move the ball. Mm. And this is what we saw from uh, this player. And if he's any 
nowhere near as good as his career goes on as Malcolm Marshall, then he'll be a wonderful mm -hmm. addition to the world of cricket and, and something that the Caribbean need because, you know, they basically were rock bottom. Mm -hmm. They're on the way up. There's only one way to go for them. And they picked all these young players to try and revive the game. And good luck to them. It's going to be exciting to watch. Let's talk very quickly about England as well. And I'll read you this quote. This is from a, a, a football... Uh, he's actually a football journalist, but he follows cricket closely as well in, in the UK for The Guardian. Barney Ronner, he writes, After England's victory over India, what a game test cricket is. Cut to the bone, but still a different level to any other format. Its death is a paradigm of dumb consumerism. Money and margins tell you to make a worse product, at the end of which you have money and a worse product forever. And um, maybe that's a bleak outlook about Test cricket, but boy, England, that's, what again, what drama. Yeah, and that quote is basically uh, a good use of the English language. It doesn't leave you in any doubt where the writer stands, mm. what he believes. And I do a lot of other cricket work and I hear the same story delivered by a lot of people who will watch the white ball game, but the money that has been redistributed to the, the white ball game away from test match cricket has impacted on it. And, you know, here's hoping that we in New Zealand are able to uh, get away from the money side of the game and play a bit more test cricket. But you know what money does? And uh, mm. that's where people will go. And it is, I think, impacting on our game to some extent. So, uh, yeah, lovely quote. Just good to see uh, that England are able to get up over India where you wouldn't have expected, you would not have expected no. England to deal to Ashwin and Jadeja two of the world's premier spin bowlers mm -hmm. and most successful and who have ruled the roost through India for a number of years to be dealt, dealt to the way they were by England. And it's a five-test series. If that's what we're going to get, then, you know, those sleep hours we were talking about, <laughs> <laughs> they're going down the road. <laughs> yes, and I read actually, um, well, I mean, the English spinner Tom Hartley, he was on debut, he he led that victory for England. Um, the first seven-wicket haul by an England spinner on debut since yeah. Jim Laker yeah. back in 1948. Gee, yeah. what a stat that is. Um, Brian, sticking, yeah, incredible with, stuff. St sticking with cricket and um, uh, weather prevents the super smash from a full final weekend. The, the men's final was called off, but the women's, the women's final went down to the wire. Yeah, and, you know, it was... Well, to a certain extent, it was uh, uh, a game that I, I had some pity for Wellington. I'm, I'm a Wellingtonian, so I, I stand up and say that there is a bit of parochialism there. But for the last three years, having done what they had to do to host the final and play in their own conditions, they haven't been able to because they've gone to the venue where the men's finalists have been staged. And uh, I tend to think that that destroys the quality of the competition that uh, Wellington, having done so well over the last, well, basically seven years, they've been the dominant T20 team. But in the last three years, they haven't been able to show their wares to their um, their own public mm. because I'm told the cost of having two television uh, crews doing the games, uh, to me, I could go into a long rant about that, but uh, I'll concentrate on the cricket. Call out for 89 and 17 overs, and they defended that 89. 
And you've got to give credit to, um, you know, the star of the Wellington side, Amelia Kerr, but she has uh, a team around her that uh, is committed and passionate about what they do. She got 35, had 14 off her four overs. Rosemary Mayer, uh, amazing bowling figures, uh, four for five, and, and, you know, just wonderful stuff. But the fact that they were able to defend it, and if you had someone to choose to bowl the last over for mm-hmm. you to defend 10 runs, you'd probably go for Sophie Devine, yet she almost butchered it. Mm-hmm. A couple of wides, uh, a missed run out, a dropped catch off her own bowling all helped Central get close, and they lost by one run. Mm-hmm. But then that's the excitement of white ball cricket, yeah. and you get those moments uh, in the white ball game. Sadly, the men's couldn't be decided because of the weather. The title goes to Auckland. Again, you feel sorry for uh, the Cantabs because they didn't get a chance to win the title because they didn't qualify top of the grade. And that's the difference between what happens in the women's and the men's. Auckland got the uh, result. They were able to play at home and uh, they won. Um, but that's the, uh, the T20 competition for another year. And, of course, there are players in particularly the men's game who will be pushing hard now to get into the New Zealand World Cup squad. It's not going to be easy. They've got quite a number of players who, as Gary Stead said, they've got about 19 or 20 and they've only got to pick 15. (laughs) So that's going to be an interesting challenge coming up for New Zealand selectors in the near future. You can can speak for yourself, Brian, but I have an iron cast rule as a long-suffering Highlander supporter to never feel any sympathy in a sporting context for Canterbury ever. Um, so uh, that's my that's my rule, and I'm sticking to it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I have to be fair because I'm I'm a journalist, and I cannot show any Wellington right. bias, <laughs> even though the Basin Reserve is the best cricket ground in the country. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk quickly about oh Lydia Ko, poor Lydia Ko, and um, some heartbreak this morning. So close to making the Hall of Fame, but it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the reason that it was of interest for us, of course, is she was going to be uh, close to one of the youngest to make the Hall of Fame. She will get one more result and be able to do it. I mean, it was amazing. She was four shots behind Nellie Corder when she started. And I watched some of it this morning. I thought, goodness, this is going to be a, a hard do. But she basically pulled back those four strokes. And it was just one, I don't know whether it's, concentration, whether it's nerves, whether it's pressure, a three-putt cost her when she was close to mm-hmm. you know, the other one putt and to a certain extent it almost looked as though she'd given it away when she missed the first uh, putt. But, you know, I mean, it, it's tremendous pressure. I, I don't think we as mere followers of sport understand the pressure mm-hmm. of the game at the top level. And, you know, here are two of the best exponents of women's golf, and there's a lot of them around now when you think about the uh, Koreans, the Chinese who are playing amazing golf. Um, High golfers, you know, there you've got um, Lydia Ko and uh, the pressure she's been under for a number of years. I mean, let's face it, she started as about a 15, 16-year-old, didn't she? So, you know, she's a wonderful player. And beaten by, you know, uh, one putt. But, you know, great drama again. The great drama. That's how it works. And even the goal, game of golf. Well, I say even the game of golf. You're, you're quite right that golf... Um, golf does... Golf heaps pressure 
or, or pressure point, acute pressure points on players like just about no other sport, right? Like I'm reminded of, is it Jean van der Vel, the Frenchman in the, yes. in the nineties who yes. had to, he only had to double had the bogey open, yeah. the last hole in order to win, um, at the British open and, and he, and he couldn't do it, and it's painful to watch now. You're watching a person just crumble under the pressure, and it's not a rare sight in golf. I mean, I went golfing a couple of weeks ago, and you could have seen it there as well, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, as a golfer, if you miss an open title uh, like because of that meltdown, mm. you will never, ever forget it, and you'll mm. never be allowed to forget it. You can forget a lot of things, a lot of failings, you know, where you could have, you know, holding one or putted to win a game. But, you know, that meltdown is in the history of the game and will never be forgotten. Mm. Poor old Jean Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, poor old Jean. Oh, well, grand stuff. Brian Waddle, thank you very much for your time. Look forward to chatting again, chatting again uh, later on. Pleasure, mate. And that was Brian Waddle. Brian will be back. Um later on in the well i guess it's january isn't it it'll be back in a couple of weeks in february botox cosmetic out of botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300 remember to ask for botox cosmetic by name to see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.